Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. This morning, we are um, we are going through the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy as he is uh, pastoring a church in Ephesus. And um, he's having quite a time as he's as he's pastoring these people. Um, we talked about um, quite a bit during this study how he encourages them to be careful what you're dwelling on. Don't waste your time studying endless genealogies and and things that are are against. Right doctrine, make sure you're following the truth of God's word when you're teaching Timothy and you're teaching your people and you have a great responsibility. We talked about that. And then they, uh, Paul talks a little bit about his own calling and how he was set apart and God called him from the very beginning, this unlikely candidate for being a preacher of Jesus Christ, who at the very beginning was so zealous for the Jews that he sought to imprison and have men killed who claimed Jesus Christ. This man turned his life around, and he, he uses that as an example. And he says in verse 15 of chapter 1, as we recall, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception or acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. What that tells us is he had an understanding of his sins and where he stood before God, almighty God. And my friends, I want to say at this time, as a little bit of a side note, I mentioned that when I preached on it but I'll keep reminding you. There is never a time on this earth where you have arrived. We don't believe that you ever reach a place on this earth where you are sinless without sin. There is always going to be a time and there is this process we call sanctification in which you are being saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a there's some terminologies that we've used and I've used all my life. I got saved. No, I'm being saved. And I will be saved. I will receive the end of my faith is the way that um, Peter describes it in his first epistle. He said, you will receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Salvation is not something that happens in the past or merely in the future. It is happening in the life of a believer today, and it is an ongoing process. You are being saved. Um, that's, a, that's a very important thing that we can realize in our lives. I've not reached the epitome of my salvation yet. The full extent of my salvation will be completed in glory 
in his perfect presence where I know I have no desire to sin anymore. That constant battle between good and evil within my heart is a battle that we face throughout our entire lives. Our process of sanctification will be done when that battle, when we remain victorious and Christ Christ is, is the victor. I promise you that. We've talked about fighting a good fight, being on the right side, making sure that you're on the good team. Because I'm telling you, my friends, God will win. God is going to win. The question is not, it, not that He needs you in order to win. The question is whether you're going to be on His team when He does win. Because that will make all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world for you and for me. Whose team are you on today? So uh, last week we, <laughs> I was walking on some rather thin ice and I was talking about a very hot topic in our society today and women in leadership. Uh, how Paul said he does not permit a woman to teach. And we talked about that word means to preach. He does not permit a woman to preach or exercise authority over a man. Um, that got into some controversial subjects, but we made it through it. And uh, uh, that's an ongoing study in our lives, um, and the, the role of men and women. And God has designed us for a purpose, my friends, and I believe that. I believe that God designed men and women to be distinct. There is a difference. Um, and we, differ- we have different roles in life. I have a different role in my life than Erica does in our relationship. I have a different role in our household than she does. It does not mean that she is less than me. It does not mean that I am in charge of her. It means that in our team effort to lead our family and raise our son in a godly way, that as the head of the household, I take the hits, I take responsibility if she has a problem, it's my fault because I am I'm her husband and I, my job is to take care of her as the head of the household. And so we talked about that role and within the church, the men in the church should step up, should stand in defense of our women. Not because they are weaker or less than us, but because that's our job. God designed men and he uses the example here. And just to cover some ground that I missed last week, he, he uses the example, Adam was formed first, then Eve. My friends, if you, you can really overcomplicate this. But let me, let's look at this in a way. How many of y'all have an older brother? Who has an older brother in here? Did your older brother take care of you? It just seemed like in a in natural order of events, he was born first, he's older, so he takes care of his younger brother. Does that mean your older brother is better than you? No, because as the youngest child, I know that I have met the epitome of perfection, and that's why they stopped. <laughs> that's why they stopped having kids. 
But my older brothers, they took care of me. Sure, we had our spats and our fights. But it's not because my oldest brother Shane is better than me. It was because I was younger than him and he took responsibility for me. Leading me as an example of what it means to be a man, what it means to follow, what it means to lead. So when he says that he does not permit a woman to teach, he's not talking about status or ability. He's talking about responsibility. Responsibility. We have a responsibility to take care of one another. And a man who is not taking care of the women in his life, and I'm not, I'm not talking about married, not married to more than one woman, because we'll get into that today. Um, you take care of the people in your life. And as a man, it's your responsibility to take care of and responsibility of your family. And in the church, it's no different. As a pastor of this church, I take responsibility for the souls that are in this building. If you have been under the sound of my voice, I am now responsible for the things that I say. Paul said in another place, leader is doubly responsible for the things that he says. The things that I teach you, you guys, if one of you goes to hell and I know that I have taught wrong doctrine, your soul and your blood is on my hands. It is a responsibility of a leader. When you lead your family... And one of them is lost. My friends. If we're not doing everything in our power. To prevent that. The blood is on your hands. I'm not talking about if you have done everything that you can and they still leave. You can't help that. But everything within your power, my friends. Men. Lead your family. To Christ. You are responsible for that. Okay. That being said, let's preach the message that I had for this morning. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're starting in verse 1. Um, I really like the way David Guzik, I read his commentary quite a bit. If you aren't familiar with who that is, you can look him up by all means. Um, David Guzik is probably one of my favorite commentators on the scripture. Uh, And I'll I'll discuss a few of these commentaries that he had. We're just going to read the first, we'll read the first eight verses, but I'm probably not going to make it as far as I want to this morning to be respectful of y'all's time. But we'll go ahead and read it for the sake of context. This is a true saying, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop 
then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having the children in subjection with all gravity or gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must, be, must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, um, in verse 8, I'm not going to read that. I almost continued on into the next section, which we'll talk about next week. We're talking about deacons next week. Maybe. And if we don't finish this, this morning, which I'm having my doubts on whether I'm going to make it through all these points in time, uh, we may continue talking about the qualifications of a pastor. And as uh, that's not what that word means, bishop. Um, there are several synonyms to that word. Elder. Some have translated it elder. Some have translated it bishop. Some have translated it pastor. And my favorite term is shepherd. The shepherd. So let's pray before I get into it. And then we'll, we'll get started on this journey together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the blessing that your spirit is in our lives, that you indwell in our hearts, and that you speak to it. Father, I pray that you would take some time and speak to your people today as I attempt to shepherd them in the will that you have placed in my heart. God, I pray that you would empty me of any selfish ambition or pride and arrogance. Father, give these people a word that comes only from you and not from me. Hide me behind the cross. In the name of Jesus, we come. Amen. So, all the women in this congregation, this is a qualification for a male pastor. So, y'all can just go ahead and breathe a sigh of relief because this does not apply to you. I'm kidding. The grimacing looks that I got when I said that are a good sign. That's a good sign. Leadership qualities are not just found in men, and these are, this is a, man, if we had this criteria for every leader that we had in our life, boy, what a different world we would live in. If we had that kind of qualification uh, for, for just in general, for a leadership of a corporation or any other situation, this world would be very different. I pray that we as men, and this is just for the men, as men in the congregation, I pray that we would strive to be this kind of leader. And there is a lot of grace that has been given to me in regards to this list of qualifications. I remember 
as a, uh, <laughs> that sounds funny me saying, as a young man, because I still am. I remember going before the board of the Liberty Association, and in Free Will Baptists, in order to get ordained, you have to go before the board and present your case. And they, they give references uh, they receive references about you and your reputation, which I think that's the way it should be. I think you should not just be ordained just because you want to be. Um, this ordination process, I went before the board and I remember I was reading, and that was part of my requirements. I had to read this uh, first part of Timothy. And uh, I remember going before the board and thinking, oof. I am not qualified for this position. And any good leader, I've quickly found out, will gladly admit that. And that's what they told me. They asked me, how do you feel you measure up? I'm not worthy. Not good enough. There are things that I actively must work on in order to reach these qualifications. And so to that they said, Good. Moving on. <laughs> I just knew I'd lost it all. Him listing these qualifications. Is not necessarily saying that every person who does not meet all of these qualifications is unqualified. But what he's saying here is that these are the expectations. There are some that are set in stone that are of the greatest importance that if you do not meet these criteria, then you should not be a leader. Either you should not be a leader yet or you should never be a leader of the church. So let's walk through these things really quickly because I've already taken 20 minutes of your time. Um, just a side note on this. There are studies that say after 20 minutes, nobody pays attention. So this is a great time to insert my, my message here. 20 minutes later, let me preach the message that y'all won't be paying attention to. Um, Jokes maximize that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I pray that y'all can listen and pay attention. That your attention span is larger than 20 minutes. I think that our attention span in this day and age in our microwave society uh, drastically has been shortened. We want everything right now, cookie cutter and quick, and I'm out. I'm going to go eat at O'Charlie's or wherever you want to go eat. O'Charlie's is the place to go around here. That's my favorite. Um, but let's dive in. Firstly, a bishop or pastor, elder, leader must be blameless. In other words, you need to have a good reputation. That's why when I went before the presbytery or the board, I had to have some references. Who is Corbin Madden? I always hated that question. Uh, you go before somebody, and I had—I think that's one of the first questions that Aaron asked me. Tell me, who is Corbin Madden? Um, 
And I can just still remember you saying that. And I'm thinking, I don't know. Um, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's the first thing you say, then uh, I'm glad of that. Um, but you have to have a good reputation. I just had a character reference for uh, somebody. They called me and they were asking about my good friend. And they said, what kind of a person is he? And I said, well, he got a really big, strong heart for the Lord and they love people. They have a desire to share the word of God to the kingdom that is around us. The people of Babylon. Those who are opposed to the word of God. He has a strong desire to reach those people, to reach the lost. And uh, they were satisfied with that answer. And I really do believe that about my friend that I was talking about. I'm not going to mention his name, just not embarrassing. Uh, And it's not Aaron. (laughs) So y'all don't come up there asking. Uh, I have given him a character reference, but that's not the one I was referring to. Um, He must have a good reputation. And uh, this term comes to mind when I think of a good reputation as a man of his word. My grandfather is the picture of a blameless man in my heart. When I think of a blameless man, I think of my grandfather. I'm telling you, if he said he was going to be there, he was 10 minutes early, if not 30 minutes early. It didn't matter what he had going on that day. He would stop it and he would go and he would have a shower. He would, it didn't matter. He, he had a shower before he went anywhere. It didn't matter if that meant he had five showers that day. He would have a shower and then he would go and see you. Um, that's just the generation that I think we're missing. Uh, the dedication and work that it took to be that. To be blameless, to be a man of your word. This is a quality of a leader. Because you cannot follow someone that you can't trust. This speaks to, uh, to the pastor's diligence to the word of God. To be, re- to be applying the concepts that they're teaching to their life is of the utmost importance. And that is why I believe that he mentions this first. To be a leader, and we'll step outside of the pastoral leadership role here, and to be a leader of your home, to be a leader of anywhere, it is important for you to have the reputation of that man does what he says. Or dare I say, that woman, when she says that she's going to do something, she does it. Not... uh, and, I, and I'm afraid, my friends, that this is one of the qualities that I struggle with greatly. I say I'm going to do something and then I forget about it. Which is why I've, I've got a pocket calendar and I use my phone. I have two different things to remind me to do things in order to be on track. Because I think that that is an extremely important quality of a leader. If I say I'm going to go visit your house, I need to go see you. I can't forget it. Because that's not being reliable. That's being a poor leader. Some of these qualities are extremely important, not only in pastoral leadership, but in our everyday lives. We need to be reliable. 
when we go to work? Do we show up late every time or do we show up on time? As we go through our lives as Christians, we are an example. We are leaders to an extent. What do you do? As we lead, we lead by example. We lead through our words and our actions. We must be blameless. Second, a husband of one wife. Now I want to point out here, this does not mean in order to be in the ministry that you have to be married. I have heard some pretty strong arguments that would say that if you don't have a family to take care of, then you don't know about responsibility, which I don't think that's true because I know some people who have families who are pretty poor leaders. Um, Just having a family does not automatically qualify you as a good leader. If you can manage your family well, then that qualifies you as a good leader. If you don't have a family... You, I think it's important here, and I think that he's saying this. You need to be able to handle responsibility. When somebody asks you to do something, you need to be able to either delegate that out or to come up with the things that need to be done. I got a lot of experience with that at Kroger, being thrown into my leadership positions. Miss Diana knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, oftentimes, they didn't ask. They told you. Guess what? You're in charge today. Here you go. And I was responsible for those 14, 15, under the age of 18-year-old kids that just, uh, they love doing what they're told. I'm telling you that. Um, I developed a lot of leadership qualities and learned how to be stern. I can't be everybody's friend. In a leadership role, sometimes it's very difficult. And in a family, sometimes there's some feelings that get hurt. Asher, I hurt his feelings an awful lot when I tell him, you can't lick the toilet brush. He gets very upset. Asher was extremely upset this morning when we went to go pick up the donuts for Sunday school and he couldn't have one yet. You're going to have to learn how to be patient, my son. And we talked about how, uh, and this is, this is going to tie into this message. As we, as the leader of my home, it is my job to demonstrate the love of Christ to my family. My, my good friend Jeff Lester, Maddie's stepdad, he told me the other day, he said, you know, we're just babies, aren't we? We whine and we complain when we don't get our way. And he was telling me, he said, I'm not a good patient. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm aggravating these nurses to death. But we're just like that to God. And as Asher was crying and, 
screaming and kicking and pitching his fit this morning by the grace of God. And that's the only thing it is. I did not turn around and yell at him as I have done in times past. I just let him cry. Because that's what God does to us. God, I can't believe you took that from me. I want that. I need that in my life. I want my pacifier. And I need it to survive. I can't live without that thing. I'm telling you, that's how it feels. That's what that child thinks. He cannot live without that thing. You take it away and you may as well just smack him across the face. I'm telling you, it's like you just ripped a part of his soul out. And we're the same way. God, I love that. And why, why do I have to get rid of it? Why would you take this from me? You learn these lessons when you have to manage your family. We have to take care of your family. You learn sometimes you're going to break some hearts. You're going to hurt some feelings in order to get what God wants done, done. Sometimes you're going to have to break your child's heart and it's not fun. It's not fun to accomplish the will of God. The husband of one wife that shows his faithfulness as well. He's diligent. He's dedicated. And we've been ta- I was talking about a friend um, about this not too long ago. It also shows that she's willing to stay as well. His ability to take care of her in a way where she feels heard. Because I promise you, in a relationship where the wife does not feel appreciated, loved, accepted, she's not going to stay in there very long. If she does not feel like you really care, if she feels like, oh, he's in charge, I don't have a say, I've got to do this, She's not going to stay very long. And there is, there is a generation that didn't believe in divorce as much as our generation tends to. And they would still stay, but they would be separated even within their marriage. I know of my... Uh, I, have, I have some people that I know that are living that way. They stay apart, but they don't believe in getting separated. My friends, that's not any better. To be the husband of one wife shows that you know how to take care of your spouse in a way that shows that she wants to stay as well. So these two qualities so far, and I might have to end on that one, These two qualities so far, you have to have a good reputation and you have to be able to maintain your relationships with dignity and honor while maintaining leadership and your values. And my friends, I can tell you from experience that that's very difficult. Um, I'm learning how to lead. 
And this church has taught me a lot of things on how to lead. I've learned quite a bit, and I'm still learning. Paul is expressing this desire not because I'm sure Timothy had not measured up to this list. But he's telling this list to say, here is your standard, Timothy. You reach it with everything in you. Strive for it. Because nobody's perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect leader. I will fail. But by the grace of God, we will continue on. And God will work and use me in spite of my flaws and my failures. And God will do great and mighty things. And uh, I believe that with all my heart. God can do things. God can use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. I think that's one of my favorite phrases. It doesn't matter how broken you are. God can use you. God can use you. He wants you. He wants you to be a a part of his family. And I'm not doing this as a tie-in, but it's essential to be a leader. You have to rely on God. If I did not have God to rely on in this role, I would quit. Because I promise you, regardless of any of y'all's intentions, I don't mean this in that way. There have been some times where we felt alone. There have been some times that I felt like me and Erica, we felt like we were the only ones that wanted this thing to happen. And I'm not saying that to, to talk down about anybody. It may, and I'm not saying that to, to make any of these intentions. I don't know if that was intentional. But my friends, leadership requires that. Being willing to do that is essential to leadership. And God sometimes allows you to see things, even if they're not true, so that you'll rely in on him because my friends if if i can truly say this if i had nobody on my side if we had nobody on our side we would step out and the lord we have faith that he will take care of us because my friends Without God, we cannot do anything. You cannot lead without God because He will lead you into leadership. May we all be examples of that. My friends, if you'd like more information or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. 